Hello. Hello. This hey. is seventeenth of August, twenty fifteen. It's the soybean pod. Soybean pest podcast. <laughs> we'll edit that out. I'm going to leave it in. Why even say that? There's going to be no post production. This is going to be as is. Hot one take version. Yep. Fourteenth episode. Um, today uh, we just have aphids to talk about. That's probably the biggest thing to talk about. It's uh, they're so small. They're so small, but they're so big this year. Hmm. This is remarkable. Yeah. So uh, when did we talk last? A week ago, Monday, uh, Tuesday. It was about a week ago. Good yeah. Enough. Last um, week. And last week we were talking about aphids. Yeah. Because you had just gotten off your conference calls and you were hearing about people needing to spray. Have you had your conference call today? Or there was today, but I couldn't attend. Um, but somebody was playing hooky. Yeah. Was, well, um, not really. Had but a long weekend. Um, most of the agronomists I, I heard through the grapevine that they're asking about soybean aphid uh-huh. and aphids and corn, and kind of the questions that were going around that were, when is it too late to spray? To, to make a uh, yield, you know, yeah. that you'd expect a yield response. And do the same thresholds apply now as they did, like, in July and mm-hmm. that, those kinds of things? Mm-hmm. So um, on Friday, uh, well, let me take a step back. On Thursday, um, I did something unprecedented. Actually, on Wednesday, I did something I haven't done in a long time. Mm-hmm. Pull weeds? Oh, no. Oh, no. What are you, what are you talking about? Am I a weed scientist? No, I, I'm not going to pull any weeds. Uh, no, I went out into the field and uh, visited a site with a, a research site, and we were shocked. The student and I were shocked by how many aphids we were seeing on that. Soybean aphid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So these are soybean. These were small plots of soybeans, and we were doing a very controlled experiment. But on plants that were left uncaged, we were like, wow, there's a lot of aphids here, even where they're not supposed to be, like on plants that are allegedly resistant to soybean aphids. A lot of aphids. And then we went back and double-checked, and like, are we really sure? It's like, yeah, Thursday, we're really sure, and it's on uncaged plants. And uh, then we went around for another experiment. I think I've talked to you about talked to you about this, where we're trying to account for the impact of pollinators, specifically, specifically honeybees, but all pollinators are out there, the impact of pollinators on soybean yield. So we've got like 18 field sites, uh, farms, where we're doing this at. And I wanted to see how the aphids were doing on those farms. Guess what we saw? Lots of aphids? Lots of aphids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, could, like maybe two, three weeks ago we did the same thing, and I think there was one field that had aphids. And it was like one or two plants. Uh, this was every plant. So they, they weren't generally colonized before bloom, but then in the last couple of weeks they've really ramped up, or is it just last week? Yeah, it looks like in the last two weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things that we were noticing in our little controlled experiment is that between the two, three days that we uh, were counting the aphids on that, we being the students and I, uh, populations doubled. Mm-hmm. So the point that I'm trying to get to with all of this is uh, things can look very different in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you imagine, you, you probably already know this, but, you know, if you imagine a exponential growth curve where you start with, like, low, low numbers, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's a ski slope that's mm-hmm. going up into the sky. You know, it doesn't take long for something as 
remarkably fertile as a soybean aphid to go from practically zero to holy cow there's a ton of these little critters all over the place and yeah. it was and not to keep on talking uh, but we got to fill time um the undergraduates were shocked by that yeah they're like wow that's i had no idea that this could happen so quickly you know? yeah and part of that is they give live birth and so the generation time from birth to when they become adults is very short so i think we have seen that when populations double every few days in certain environmental mm-hmm. conditions so it's not unheard of but yeah to see it in some of your research plots is i mean i'm sure their experiences you know that's the first time they've seen that yeah but what was shocking to me about all this is that it was happening in our on these research farms around kind of central iowa story yeah. in boone county and it sounds like from brian lang who works up in north east iowa and then colleagues in other parts of the state that yeah this is maybe statewide that this is happening yeah i mean it's definitely more in the northern half but there are fields in the south and the southern counties that are being treated mm-hmm. as well and so not not only for soybean aphid but for aphids and corn and so back to the question that i kind of got at the teleconference which i wasn't at <laughs> today yeah, yeah. um they're asking me like when when is it too late to treat and from the data that I've generated from my soybean efficacy evaluations, I've had populations just kind of like you're talking about, basically nothing or really low numbers for a very long time. But then you get the exponential growth very late in the season and those plots exceed threshold basically at full seed set. And so you're spraying yeah. at R5 and a half, R6. Which we think of as kind of the cutoff. Yeah, and I have never seen a positive yield response for spraying at R6. Mm-hmm. I have at uh, R5 and yeah. R5.5. And, and so for me, just my experience, I, I wouldn't recommend a treatment after R5.5 unless you've had just incredible circumstances that you, you, you think about applying that late in the season. I might, uh-oh, we might be going into controversial yeah. please disagree. Here. I think I might disagree with you on this one, in part because... Um, I hear you. You don't have data to suggest that spraying past our five and a half, six is going to produce much benefit. However, the absence of data is not evidence of absence of an effect. And so, you know, we don't, we don't, unless we have an experiment designed to actually measure that, it's, it's kind of hard to say definitively. And that, these populations won't have an effect on yield. My concern here, and I'm going to play the, I'm going to play the role of farmer here and, and be a little risk adverse. My concern is that yeah, you can see an impact, and there, there's some evidence that as you go into really high numbers, you're going to see possibly what pot abortion, um, that 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 could occur. Uh, and what I mean by that is we could get you know thousands and possibly tens of thousands of aphids on a plant Mm -hmm. before those numbers drop off and um, I would hate to see somebody lose yield because of that yeah obviously I mean that I that's you never want to get to that point where you have yield loss I'm I guess just from my experience I've never seen numbers go from zero to basically tens of thousands per plant in a week so yeah, if you're I mean, not ex- if you're not experiencing the, th- the threshold before right, right. R five and a half, I've never seen it to where all of a sudden 
you get that crazy. I, I get so. You know, my experience this year has been with some very controlled situations, mm-hmm. but in the uncaged, you know, where we have as close to natural as yeah. we can get, we've seen populations go from, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000, um, and that's that's huge. Yeah. And, and that, um, so I guess if I were, you know, if I were a risk-adverse farmer, but I wanted to act on, you know, what's going on in the field, of course I would scout and maybe do a couple of visits to see if populations are still increasing. And then I would think uh, about applying an insecticide, in part because, um, you know, there's nothing slowing that growth down. And, and as you get into really large populations, um, I, I, I fear you're going to lose yield. And, I, and now how much yield? At that later stage, um, again, it's a function of what growth stage you're at. But um, there's, you know, some room. Uh, there's still some time left before those beans are going to start to senesce. And um, yeah, and I think some data from Tom Hunt at the University of Nebraska has a couple data sets that show a positive yield response when you spray at R6, and so. You know, I think if you'd ask him, he would say it depends. Sometimes we see a benefit, sometimes we don't. The other part about this is, you know, how much is that insecticide spray going to cost versus the value yeah. of the beans? And, mm-hmm. and that, those are questions that I don't think you and I can really answer for an individual farmer. Yeah. They've got to kind of make that decision. Yeah, and I also think about the uh, pre-harvest interval. Oh, that's if a you're good one. If you're spraying third, fourth week of August... Some products uh, on the label would say like 45, 60 days. And so if you do decide to spray, just make sure or you're recommending a, a, a product that has a shorter pre-harvest interval. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to imagine it right now. It's, I, I was just looking at the calendar. It's August 15th yeah. uh, or 17th. Sorry, I just said it a yeah. moment ago. Um, but, yeah, we're on the, the back end of summer. You know, things yeah. are going to start to Yeah, you may not want to wait till October you know, the end of October to harvest, depending on yeah. weather conditions the next 60 days. So, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so, I, I mean, the next kind of thing to think about, well, you, you talked about corn aphids. Yeah. And that's, a, I, my sense of corn and aphids is that there are even more questions left unanswered about how um, to spray those insecticides. For our listening audience, Erin just started nodding her vigorously. <laughs> it, is, it is even more unknown and more more murky as far as what number do you spray, how late do you, how late would you spray, and you'd still ex- yeah. expect a yield response. Um, I've been getting a lot of questions through phone, email, everything, and just everybody's looking for answers. People are definitely treating. I've actually convinced a few people to um, have some untreated check strips because they're spraying with a, like a ground a high boy type oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. And so I'm really hoping that I'll get some data coming in to show, you know, uh, what it what the aphid pressure was before spray, after spray. And you know, I've got my some of my own plots set up as well. So I hope that they produce some information. That's the thing about all of this kind of research is there's a little bit of like hope and pray that it works, in yeah. part because if you're relying on natural infestations you never know in a location if you're going to get an outbreak yeah especially for species that don't overwinter here it's 
really variable. Yeah, people call it spray and pray research. <laughs> I'm praying pretty hard right now. I mean, it, but the the praying comes before you spray. The praying comes, you know, if I put this experiment here, yeah. am I going to get insects? Yeah. And this year, uh, for aphids, we've been kind of fortunate. You know, we've we've seen aphids show up. Unfortunately, it's not the case every year. Corn, you're seeing it. Like, is it statewide with the well, corn? No, as well, no, that's mostly northwest and northeast corners of the state, uh, and then some southern counties yeah. in Minnesota. Have I talked to you about the crazy thing that happens? I'm, you know this, but uh, I really saw it today with my car parked underneath a tree. With the honeydew. Yeah. Yeah, we did talk about it maybe On a here? couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And the the, the honey, honeydew production. The mold that'll grow yeah. in your car from yeah. the honeydew that falls on the tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my sense is like it's uh, it's not just soybean aphids or yeah. corn aphids. I see them all over my yard. I have a couple of species of milkweed, all infested with milkweed aphids. I have yes. aphids on my apples. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 The, on the milkweed especially because they're the and they the live one. like butt to butt they are apartment Ooh. style and just totally jam-packed crowding doesn't seem to bother them Why like you it call does apartment style because they're like right on top of each other and they are just crammed together and there are yeah. some aphids that really don't like to be touching oh, yeah. other species yeah. and touching uh, or crowding induces winged formation oh, where they leave right, right, which i think right. is part of what we see for soybean aphid but milkweed aphids don't seem to mind touching as much, and maybe that's quite you are a, very aggressive. When I know. You talk about this. This, this is don't something like they just, don't, and so uh, this is something that I try to, to piece if apart. You run into Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really a reflection of me, no, yeah. in my personal bubble. But this is something that I tried to piece apart when I was working on my PhD. Like, what induces, oh, right, what makes right. a soybean aphid induce wings? Like, what, why why why, they, why yeah. would she tell basically her granddaughters to form wings? Yeah. Because it's yeah. it's they have granddaughters inside of them. Yeah. And um, for every species there's touching or the presence of predators or it's the photo period or yeah. it's temperature or there's a lot of reasons why if, aphids form wings. If it were you, I'm getting fired up here. Yeah, yeah. really. If it were you, uh, touching would be the Yeah, the, I don't want to you know, it's so many touches and she, she just sick yep, I, my, go, I'm out of here. My granddaughters yeah. going to be here, somewhere else. They're not going to be here. Do we need to explain to the listeners that their granddaughters because it's all parthenogenic and it's yeah they have telescopic generations and so basically when you look at an aphid you'd be able to see her daughter's eyes inside and then her daughters already have developing embryos inside them so basically it's a telescopic and when you look at a grandmother you see your daughter's eyes it sounds like a hallmark card now oh yeah Uh, i I would buy that hey we're getting into uh okay our our 15 minutes of fame is almost done uh some so, upcoming events here. Yes, I'm going to be at the State Fair um, in the Varied Industry Building yeah. all day Thursday. I've got a sweet so, seven-hour shift. So, Hillary, so, if you're out there, yeah, stop Donald, by. stop by. Although yeah. I think they already visited. Well, Maybe some like of the other Rubio. 16 candidates, yeah, might stop by. Yeah. And, yeah, and we have some fun things for kids and adults to do. You don't have to be a presidential candidate to visit Aaron Hodgson. Well, yeah. What's the building? Varied Industries Building. Yeah. All right. So stop by, say hi. Bring some aphids. Just don't, <laughs> just don't touch it. <laughs> okay, bye.